and a very blessed good Monday evening to each and every one of you. Welcome once again to the Dear Young Preacher Mentoring Talk for this blessed Monday night. We thank God for this opportunity and this privilege to connect with you on tonight. I want to ask you now to come on in with us for the next hour or so as we continue our discussion. We're grateful tonight to once again have our panelists, these powerful men and women of God, joining us on tonight. All the way from Ponce, Puerto Rico, Pastor Meon Davis is with us on tonight. We thank God for him. We thank God for the Chief Apostle. Uh, Chief Apostle Mark Dickens is in the house on tonight. We thank God for my friend, my brother, Pastor Felix Petaway. Uh, with us on tonight. Last and certainly foremost, my daughter in the gospel, Minister Shea Battle is with us on tonight. And we are certainly grateful uh, for this privilege and for this opportunity. Want to ask you now to go ahead and spread the word, tag and share uh, with everybody. This one is for Lottie Dottie and everybody. The Dear Young Preacher Mentoring Talk is live and direct on this blessed Monday night. Let me also continue as we do each Monday night, letting you know uh, that this uh, gathering, this conversation is for information, inspiration, and empowerment. And we pray and trust that it will be used solely for those purposes and those purposes alone. Additionally, I would take a moment to say that we welcome all of our podcasters. DYP is moving into greater things on tonight. We are certainly excited and grateful to have all of you who are joining us even by the Dear Young Preacher podcast tonight. Thank you so much for connecting with us. And we are so happy to have you with us. Well, let's get this conversation going because I tell you the last three weeks have been Lord have mercy, it's been rough. It's been rough. It's been rough. God has truly ministered and shown his glory each Monday night, and we anticipate him doing no less uh, on tonight. As I thought about how we would begin this discussion, beloveds, I tell y'all what, I'm, I'm just going to give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, Apostle, you started this this morning. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, in morning manner, you started this discussion. And so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give credit where credit is due. As a matter of fact, I will confess I was late coming into Morning Manor this morning. I, I was that church member that shows up 45 minutes late for church and, and tries to get on the front row. And, and don't don't feel bad because Petaway was right behind me. That's all I got to say. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm that church member that, that showed up late. But another powerful message you shared you, uh, on this God morning. We, we thank God for that. But I want to pick up uh, on a verse of scripture you referenced this morning from the 107th Psalm. Uh, that, that, that one verse, verse number two, uh, where, where the psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, now I've got to be honest, apostle, and I'll share this in the outset. I had to go do some homework. I, I really had to go look at that thing because I, I really, that word redeemed just kind of got stuck in my spirit this morning. And I really wanted to understand what God was really saying in the contextual sense in that verse, what was he really talking about when he said the redeem? Now, when we look at the word redeem in the original Hebrew, it goes back to a word that simply means we were once enslaved. We were once slaves to something. We were once held captive by something. And somebody had to come along and pay a price for our freedom. Now, when I think about that in relation to this conversation of worship that we've been having for the last three weeks, I really want to just kind of start there with, with the five of us just talking 
about how our worship has actually allowed us to show God the reverence and the respect that he really deserves for what he has done for us. I mean, if I could say it this way tonight, I think this is our time to encourage somebody to, as my grandma would say, show enough, say so. I think this is our time to really encourage uh, the body of Christ, young preachers especially, to see the importance of really allowing your testimony and your worship to be that testimony. Uh, Psalm 107 verse one simply says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. And in my study, when I see that, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, what he's basically saying is, is that if you've ever been enslaved by anything, and if you realize that God has freed you from the thing that once enslaved you, you ought to be able to testify that the Lord is good and that his mercy endureth forever. So, so let's, let's get this conversation going, beloved. Let's talk about this tonight. And let's really talk about this in relation to worship from a practical sense. What can we say to the believers, to the body of Christ, to young preachers, to preachers, to church people in general, especially in the midst of our present times of not only the, the physical pandemic, but even the racial pandemic and those who are dealing with the spirit of depression, some battling suicide, some on the verge of giving in, some on the verge of giving up. There are some Christians that have perhaps lost patience because things are not happening like they think it should or they want it to happen. What do we say to them tonight? Why, how do we minister to them tonight? And I, I'm just going to open the floor. Let's, let's talk tonight. How, how do we minister as, as the redeemed of the Lord? How do we minister to the people of God as it relates to worship? Y'all, y'all no, jump no. in. Uh, I, I want to say this. Um, God has, has allowed all of us, I'm pretty sure, the opportunity to come off a ledge that we want to jump from. Mm. All of us have been in a place where we wanted to remove ourselves, if you will. But because of our worship prior to that, God set us up for recognizing who he is before we made a drastic step. Mm. I, I believe that even in this season, that during this pandemic and everything else that we've been through, that God has showed himself that as long as we trust in him, that everything else is going to be all right. All right. I, I think that if we really look over our lives, that if we took inventory, there are more good days than bad days, of course. Absolutely. But if we really took inventory, we have no other choice but to worship God because if it was not for God, we wouldn't be here. I, I keep reverting back to that because that's important. Um, I do want to say that many people don't know the struggle of an anointed person if you've never been anointed. If you never have been really touched by God, you go through more hell than most people think you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And And, and sometimes people get it twisted because, again, they think preachers, pastors, deacons, trustees, whomever you may be, never go through anything. When the truth of the matter is, we probably go through more than you think we do. 
but because of the worship that we have already given to God, God has already prepped us for the cooking. He already seasoned us, mm. marinated us. He already put the toppings on there. It's just now we have to go through the heat of the people and the, the pressures of life. And when we go through the heat and we come through the pressures, we've already been seasoned. We've already been marinated. Think about that steak. I'm getting hungry. But we think about that, that, that marinade. We've already been marinated. We've been seasoned right. And when we go through the heat, God's going to bring us out of the stove and we're going to be well done or exactly how he wants us to be. Mm -hmm. So with the preparation, there is going to be some trouble, but also there's going to be some triumphs. Anybody else, as my daddy would say, want to get your feet wet? Jump, jump on out there. I just want to share this testimony again, but I never went in depth. Mm. Um, and it has to do with the house fire that I was in. I was at my lowest low, the very lowest low. I know, I know what it feels for the hand to be taken off. I wanted to end my life. I was tired of church people hurting me. I was tired of family hurting me, coworkers hurting me, being used and abused. One day I went, and this is while I was still worshiping. I was, it was a power struggle. This is when I was younger. It was a power struggle. And God said, you have to trust in me. I'm like, but God, how can I trust you when no one don't love me? He said, I love you. Mm. He said, I just need your worship and your faithfulness. I said, God, I can't take it anymore. I can't. I can't. I don't want to live. I don't want to go any further. I just want to end it right here, right now. I went back to my home. I set the whole house on fire blaze. I was in it when I struck that match. This is for somebody because somebody online is on the verge of going through some type of, they're almost ready to commit suicide, but I'm here to tell you it's not the way. When I struck that match, the whole house blew up. I was in it. I shouldn't be living. I should be 100% burned. When my legs were on fire, I collapsed and hit the ground. I said, Father, save me. Jesus, save me. Help me, God. And I had locked all the doors. I was ready. I said, if I go to hell, I go to hell. I won't suffer anymore with people on this earth. The door opened. And then there was a figure in front of me. This is while I was on fire. The whole room was on fire. And it was the enemy. Always people say, oh, it's a pitchfork. No, no, no. It was a regular human fig a figure. And he said, come. And then that door opened. And all I felt, and I saw two angels picked my arms up because I could not move. I was on fire. They picked me up big. They were huge. They picked me up from the floor. And as they were dragging me out of the house, it was a tunnel a fire. When they took me outside, I was already dead. Everything I had on was either burnt off of me or melted to my feet. And back then I lived like a hundred and maybe 117 miles from the burn center. It only took that chopper 10 minutes to get to 
from Raleigh Chapel Hill Burn Center to Norwood, North Carolina. I did not know that eight minutes I had flatlined. <laughs> this is for somebody. While in the burn center, they told me I was not going to have legs. I would never walk again. They were going to put me in a home. My grandmother said, I don't want my son. Let him take him to a home. After five surgeries, 14 hours, with my temperature 120 degrees, you know, anything over 105, 110, you should be brain damaged. One day in that hospital bed, which was a coffin, it was a pastor on TV, he was ministering. He said, somebody, now this is why I was like, God, save me, save me. I want to be healed. I just started praising because I couldn't move anything from the bottom, everything from the top I could move. I was in a suit of armor. I had 8,000 staples in my body. He said, the enemy, what the enemy wanted for harm, God going to use and turn around for his glory. He said, if you believe that, you're going to feel a shower, like, like rain, a light mist. I said, God, I receive it. And it felt like it was a wave going up and down from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I said, God, you're healing me. I started praising God. I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The nurses came in running like, are you okay? You okay? I said, I'm being healed. They're like, you what? I said, I'm being healed. At that moment, I started healing. I was in the burn center for 29 days. I got there August the 2nd. I should have been gone. I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even left. But if it had not been for God, if it had not been for who I knew or what he is and for what he has done for me, I wouldn't be here today to tell the testimony. Because in, in that time when I had died, I didn't even know I had died. All I knew is it was a sleep that I never wanted to wake up from. Never. It was so peaceful. So peaceful. Heaven is so beautiful. He said, my son, you have to go back. I said, God, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here. I was like a little kid. I want to stay here. He said, I have a mighty work for you to do. And when I woke up, the nurses were slapping me. They said, Mr. Davis, we tried everything. This is after I got well. They said, we tried everything to revive you. But one of the nurses said, what about that old technique from World War I when they revived the soldiers? They would slap you, shock you back into your, your state. And when I woke up, they had my legs strapped, my arms strapped so I couldn't break loose. But I broke the straps and they had to hold me down. I'm like, why are you slapping me? I didn't realize that I was dead. But if it had not been for God, they said, son, you know somebody. I said, what do you mean? And this is after I got well. They said, you healed four times faster than the average adult, the average American. said, so you're not even supposed to survive from this. You're not even supposed to be walking right now. You're not even supposed to have no legs. But it was God. So whoever this is for, it's not worth it. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Just give your heart to the Lord. He loves you. 
as ministers, people don't think we go through things. We don't go through hardships and trials and tribulations. But if, it, if it's not for our worship, we would lose our mind. We would have lost our minds a long time ago through this travel, through this road. But I see what I had to go through to give testimony of where I've been and where I am now. The road has not been easy, but God has always been by my side there to pick me up where I fell. And, and even, even in that, Pastor Neon, I, I have to add to that. Those are the pieces that some people will never understand. No. Why we worship the way we worship. I mean, I mean, yeah. the whole thing goes, if you really knew the story, you know, if, if you really knew what I've been through, if you really knew what I've encountered, if you really knew what was meant to, to take me out, God uses it to move me to another place. If you only knew. And as a result of that, and I think really in a real sense, that's why we've got to get to a place as preachers of the gospel that we are not ashamed to tell our testimony because people sometimes think we as preachers have never been through anything. They, they, all they see is the glory. Mm -hmm. That's all they see. All the, all they see is are standing behind that sacred desk, declaring the word and people responding and people rejoicing, but they don't realize that there's been some pain and some pressure yes. behind what we do. Yes. I mean, a lot we, of battle stars. A absolutely. Lot of battle stars. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we, we, we've been cut sometimes yeah. and, and we've, we've even bled sometimes. Sometimes we were cut so deep. It was designed for us to bleed out. Mm-hmm. Some folks still don't know how we got over. No, no. You know, they still don't know how we came through it. And, and sad but true, some folks will never realize it. They'll never realize it. But I tell people, when you see my praise, when you see my hand lifted, if you see me shed a tear or two, it's not always because somebody hurt me. Sometimes I just want to stop and say, God, I remember when. And I thank you for now. Come on, Apostle, jump in. You started this fire. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, 107, Psalms 107. Yeah. This and I'm I'm messing with this thing in my head right now. Uh, but but the full the full chapter of Psalms 107, part of the distresses that he was talking about being redeemed from right. psychological misery. Absolutely. If you would translate that from psychological misery in translation in layman terms is suicide. Yes, sir. Psychological misery is I don't want to live no more. That's right. Psychological misery is nobody cares about me no more. Mm-hmm. Psychological misery means it, it is to, to a person is I just do not want to exist no more. Everything I've done fails. Everything I've tried to do didn't come to pass. What is the use of me living? That's one of the distresses that this psalmist was based on because he said he has redeemed me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, As Pastor Meon was saying about his own life and his own testimony, he should be one to say so. He should be one. We all, as I said this morning, we all have a testimony, but some people Want to use our testimony as a weapon against us? Absolutely. If this God remind, come here, David. 
this God that you serve, why haven't he delivered you? Why why did you go through that if this God was so almighty powerful? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If this God was so, so powerful and there was so much anointing, why you went through it? Why did you go through that? Why did you have to go through that if you belong to God? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the reason I went through that because I do belong to God. Absolutely. And God used me as a vessel, as a vessel to show others who have doubted him or don't believe in his power, don't believe in his anointing. He chose me as a vessel to give me a testimony of psychological misery, mm -hmm. to give me a testimony of, of, of failing health mm -hmm. and being restored. Mm -hmm. This is why God, this is why God allows this to happen. He allow it's not always punishment. No, no. It's not always disciplinary no. action. No. But God says, I need somebody to show somebody who don't believe in my healing power. Mm -hmm. I need to give them something other than a headache. Yeah. Talk, sir. And I need to bring them out. And But I don't want to bring them out when nobody ain't looking. That's it. I don't want to bring them out when nobody don't know about the situation. Mm -hmm. I got to wait till a bunch of folk come around. Come here, Lazarus. Come I got to wait till a bunch of folk come, come on, around sir. to watch and to, to, to see the power of God. Mm -hmm. Hear me, Jesus come to me. I do this, Father, because of those that stand around me. Right. I, I call him out because of those that stand around me, right. not for myself. I'm not calling Lazarus, Father, because I want to see him come to, come to mm -hmm. because I know what you can do. Mm -hmm. But for those, the sake of those around me, when I had sarcoidosis, diagnosed with sarcoidosis, and they told me I would eventually, I, I, would, I would lose my breath, and I couldn't, I ain't gonna be able to, to walk. I would be on a cane, and then a walker, and then a wheelchair, and then bedridden. He said, the doctor told me straight out of his mouth. He said, I, I, don't, I don't really wanna tell you this, but I'm gonna be transparent with you, uh, Sergeant Diggers. He told me, he says this. He says, you're gonna eventually die. It's fatal. There's no cure for it. I got on the phone and I called somebody who I knew was anointed. All right. And her name was Alice McKnight Dickens. All right. I'm in Texas and I'm calling her. And I said, this is what the doctor said. She said, the devil is alive. There it is. And she said, I'm going to call you back in about an hour. She called around and started a prayer chain. And then, and then, and then when she started that prayer chain, Something began to happen in my lungs. I mm -hmm. saw my lung. Mm -hmm. I, my right lung was totally black. Wow. My left lung was just as pretty, but my right lung was totally black. And the doctor said, did you smoke? Never a day in my life. I was 23 years old. And when she called that prayer chain, she called me an hour later and said, don't you worry about it. Right. God's got this. All right. Two weeks later, they, they examined me again and took an x-ray. And the doctor looked at the x-rays and put the old x-ray up and the new x-ray. He said, oh, man, something not happened here. He said, he said, why did they say you had sarcoidosis? I'm looking at both your lungs is just as clear and pretty. He said, but I'm looking at this one and it's black. And I had to think I couldn't do nothing but praise the Lord. Yes. This is one of the distresses. Getting back to it, this is why we praise and worship. Mm -hmm. This is why 
the 107, Psalms 107 epitomize all the reasons as to why we praise God. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I got that word, <clears throat> I looked at the doctor and I told the doctor, I know why my lung is clear. Absolutely. I ain't dumb. I know why my lung is clear. You, you, you had to say so. You had to say so. Oh, so I, and then after that, my testimony kept coming. That's it. No matter what I did, what I said. And and the doctor saw it. The x-ray technician saw it. God says, I'm healing you just so they can see. That's it. That's it. You didn't keep it quiet. So this is where this praise, this is where Psalms 107 talking about, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. Pastor, bishop, no matter what title you carry, lay member, we got a testimony, not because of disciplinary actions, right. but because God needs somebody to see and to hear your praise. Right, right. To see your deliverance, right. to see your, and it ain't always got to be healing, it's deliverance. Absolutely. Absolutely. When God sees that, that somebody needs to hear what you got to say and hear what my power and my divine intervention does. And then let, let folk know, just because you're a pastor, pastor or bishop, don't mean you ain't going to suffer. That's right. That's right. As he was talking about, it don't mean you ain't going to suffer. We are the ones going to suffer. Absolutely. But when you're talking about the anointing, when you're talking about the power, you're talking about deliverance, it don't make no difference if it's a title or no title. It's a vessel. Mm -hmm. And the word of God lets us know it's a blessing to be used by God. Paraphrase. Absolutely. This is a blessing to be used by God. So when we suffer, when we go through, oh yeah, that's where my worship comes in at. Hallelujah. Let me worship you, Lord. Let me worship you for who you is. I'm not, I know I'm going to praise you anyway, but I need to worship you now because of who you are. I need to worship you just for that. I don't need, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to thank you. And that's going to always be in my mouth. But I need to worship you. Understand, worship, we call it worship and praise. But really, worship is a separate entity from the, the, the power of praise. Absolutely. Worship is a ministry by itself. Absolutely. Ones around you, not to yourself. Worship is a ministry for God, to glorify God, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's what brings that deliverance. That's what brings that breakthrough. You talk about tears, Dr. Worthy. Every time my heart squeezes, I leap. <laughs> and I don't it, it can be a little teeny tiny thing. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't if anybody looking at morning worship and you see me drop my glasses, and I'm, that's because I'm starting to leap. <laughs> I want to catch it before it all gets. I, well, I, I, I'm starting to leak a little bit. Here. Ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong. I'm, with leak, I'm, I'm leaking now. Ain't yeah. nothing wrong. You know why I leak? Because I know where God has brought yes, me from. Sir. I know what yes, He's sir. done. And look, He's still doing some things. I ain't doing everything like I should. Mm -hmm. We're never going to get to the point of a hundred. Right. We got to understand this is how God operates in us. We suffer and go through things, mm -hmm. and we go through experiences. Because God tried to either show us something or show somebody else something mm -hmm. or both. Absolutely. But that's, okay. And, 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 and really, Apostle, I think as, as, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think about that young man that was born blind. That thing just dropped right in my spirit as you were talking and the disciples approaching Jesus and asking Jesus, whose fault is it? 
Why is it that this man was born blind? Is it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? And Jesus replied, it was nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. Some things that have happened to us, some situations aren't anybody's fault. It's not anything wrong we have done. But Jesus did say, I allowed this to happen because some glory is going to come out of this. Glory is going to come out of God, God, basically the Lord says, I'm going to take this person in this low point and watch me raise him up. And when I raise him up, watch me use him mightily. You know, I think if we all would be honest, and I think that's the message we've got to send to the body of Christ as preachers of the gospel. It, it, it saddens me when I see preachers who walk around in this air of perfection. Like we've done nothing wrong. Like, like we've been through nothing that we had it good all of our lives. But in reality, if it had not been for God's grace and God's mercy that snatched us out of some things, you know, kind of go back to what you were saying to me. If, if it hadn't been for his grace and his mercy that sent those two angels into that burning house to say, grab him because I got work for him to do. You know, I mean, sometimes if we really look at our lives and think about those two twins, that grace and that mercy, if that doesn't raise up a level of worship, if that doesn't stir us in worship, when we think about those times that we were at the lowest of the low and we felt much like Joe, it's my fault. You know, friends were telling us it's my fault. Family saying curse God and die. And then God turns around and says, you know what? I'm going to give you double for your trouble. I'm going to raise you back up. I'm going to restore you and give you another chance. When, when I think about that and compare my life to Job in a losing season. Now, if you've never been there, keep living where you lose everything. Rock bottom. And you call, you are supposedly a preacher of the gospel, a minister of the God's word, and have somebody come along and say to you, I thought you were saved. I thought you were a preacher. Where are your God at now? You have somebody who looks you in your face and says that they love you, but turn around and ridicules you in ministry and go so far as to call you a false prophet, y'all ain't catching this, in front of a congregation. But God. But God. That should lead us, when we look at those situations, God had to use those situations, I believe, to prepare me for right now. Because there's going to be somebody coming behind us that are going to need our testimony of our low points and those things that some other folk won't talk about and some things that those proud folk don't want to deal with that are really going to minister to some people that will help them to realize, you know what? Well, if the preacher went through this and came out, I can too. So I, I think that's that's where we, we are really got to be. And really, Apostle, you hit something else that I think we really have got to talk about in making sure that we properly teach the people of God the difference between praise and worship. Because it's two, it, it, you're exactly right. It is two different things. To be honest, you can't truly praise God until you first worship him. You, you've got to first be aware that he's there. I mean, I mean, really in a real sense, I can praise Pastor P. I can praise him 
in his face. I, to really to praise simply means to celebrate, to laud, to really talk about Pastor P is an awesome preacher. He's a great man of God. I can praise him, but I'm out of order when I start worshiping him. That's where I mess. And that, and it's only because in some cases, some folk don't have a full understanding. But but we got to get it. Yeah, yeah, Apostle, go ahead and leave. That's all right. That's all right. That's, that's ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong. T tears are I hear you two weeks. You're getting fired up over there. I'm fired up. You, you about ready to jump out that chair. I see you. I'm about, about, to, I'm about, to, I'm about to explode. I'm come about on, to explode. Come on with it. Come on. Um, this, this is what I want to say. In order for you to have a testimony, you got to have a test. Mm. The testimony is for somebody else. It's to deliver somebody. Right. It's for somebody to know that they can continue to go. And, and we hold our testimonies um, because for whatever reason, whether it is, you know, family don't allow you, you know, or they, people downplay you or people criticize you or you haven't gone through anything or she too young or he too young. Like, like this when mm, Jesus help me, Lord, help me. Holy spirit. Help me. Holy spirit. The thing is it, oh, Jesus help me. Holy spirit. The story about the blind boy. Um, you said that, and I'm like, okay, God, okay, God, is everybody was asking, why was he blind? Right. Does it matter? Right. Does it matter whether right. it was his fault? Does it matter whether he done something, whether the parents did something? We focused on the wrong, wrong things. Thing. The fact of the matter was the boy was blind. Right. Why are we worried about all those other things? Why are we worried about why somebody going through what they went through? <laughs> why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? You take what you take from the testimony. Maybe the testimony is not for you. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for the person next to you. Maybe it's for somebody behind you. Why are you worried about it? If it don't eat the chicken and spit out the bones. If it does not apply Watch to out, you, huh? it does Watch not out. apply to you. Why are we worried about it? The testimony is to show the glory of God. The testimony is to show the goodness of God. I'm not telling you my testimony because I want your approval or need your approval That's or need it. your opinion. That's I'm it. telling you because of what God did for me in my testimony, how God was God in my testimony, how God brought me out, how God brought me through, how God showed himself mighty. It's about God. We're looking at everything else. We're looking at everything else. The boy is blind because God wanted him to be blind. The person has a disability or I don't even like to say disability. I like to say differently able because that's what God, why do we have to try to figure it out? Mm -hmm. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways, but he loves us anyway that he brings us through. He brings us out. He brought Pastor Mion through because he loves him. He knows that his testimony and his passion and his that he's going he's gonna to be a mouthpiece for God. Yeah. That he's not going to sit on his testimony. That he's not going to sit on his story because he's worried about what people think. So he gave it to him. He gave me my story, my testimony, because he knew that I was 
let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That I don't have a choice but to say so. It's so good to me that I can't keep my mouth closed if I wanted to. He knows that I'm sitting over here bursting from the scene because I know I serve a God that's gooder than gooder than good. Watch that out. I cannot be quiet. I cannot sit on what he has done for me. You may be quiet. That's your choice. Right. But I can't be quiet. God allowed me to be the mouthpiece. We are his eyes. We are his ears. We mm. are his hands. We are extensions of God. Yeah. Yeah. So why are you worried about it? Maybe you are supposed to be an ear that you're supposed to just hear. So you do your part. The ear don't need to tell the eye what to do. The eye don't need to tell the foot what to do. If we would do our part and we will be the part of God that we are supposed to be, then we will all be all right. We are all the body of Christ. Yeah. Figure yeah. out what part you are and you perfect that part. The nose can't tell the ear how to hear. That's right. The eye That's can't right. tell the mouth how to talk. The hands can't tell the feet what to do. If we will all do our part, then we would not be going through what we are going through. Tell your testimony and not be worried about what somebody thinks because somebody needs to hear it. And you don't tell it because somebody else saying it don't take all of that. Then that it don't take all. You are right. Okay. Not again. You she are a, right. She got an amen corner tonight. Y'all hear that? She got an amen corner. Tonight, y'all. I'm telling you, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm fired up. But I'm saying, if it don't take all of that for you, uh -huh. then it don't take all of that for you. Uh -huh. But for, as for me right. and my house, right. it take all of that and then some. Mm -hmm. So you are right. It does take all of that. It yeah. take all of that and then some because God did not give up on me. God brought me out. He brought me through. He he lifted me up when I was down. When nobody else called me. Mm. When nobody else checked on me. My God checked on me. He told me I will be all right. He told Pastor Mion, I got work for you to do. Somebody else didn't hear it. So maybe that's why they don't understand. Maybe because they never been through anything. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I don't care. Help me, Holy Spirit, because I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> but the testimony is for each other, for us, for us. To help somebody that's on the verge, that's this close to committing suicide. We are going through a pandemic. We are going through so many things. Right. We are going through not only the pandemic, like think we had pandemic. We had, people have been going through diabetes. People have been going through cancer. People been getting shot by the police and everybody else. People have had their heads stepped on. People, we have been going through this stuff since we have been in this world. In the stories of the Bible, all of this stuff has been going on. All of this stuff has been going on. This is our time that we get to sit with God and we get to thank him that we have breath in our bodies to tell the testimony. Somebody didn't live to tell the testimony because Absolutely. they did commit the suicide, Absolutely. because they did feel like it was too much, because they did cave into the pressure, because they are attacked by spirits and whatever you believe. they you. God is good. God matters. God matters. 
God knows about everything that's going on. Absolutely. God allows it to happen for a reason. So we need to talk to God and ask him, what do we need to do? What do I need to do while we are worried about everybody else? If we all do our part, if we all show the love, it's all about love. Mm -hmm. It's all about love. It's all about love. And who is love? God is love. That's what it, that's what everything comes back to God. If we're not talking about God and we're not leaning and depending on him and we're not Proverbs three, five and six, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Absolutely. Lean not to your own understanding. You're not going to understand the things that are of God in all of your ways, in your finances, in your relationship, in your walk, in your talk, in your everything. Acknowledge that he is God. Acknowledge that he is God. Then he will direct the path. He will tell you what to do and how to do it. And if we all are in tune and listening to God, then we all are going to be doing what God wants us to do. We can't worry about what somebody else is doing. We can't worry about what is the church doing. Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you getting in your prayer closet? Are you getting on your knees? If God tells you to protest, protest. Whatever God tells you to do, but we can't do it based upon our feelings. Our feelings are going to get us killed. Our feelings are going to get us killed. We need to point people to God. My son telling me to be quiet. (laughs) So I better be quiet, but I'm just saying it's about God. Amen Corner is speaking tonight. But but you but you know what, Shay? I, I can't help but think about this. I mean, we're we're still talking about that blind man, but when you look on the flip side of his deliverance, and you look on the flip side of his healing, and those same folks that were approaching Jesus and asking, you know, what happened? Why? How did this happen? Why did this happen? And they weren't satisfied with his answer, and then they went and approached his parents. What happened? Whose fault is it? You know, and finally, thank God for some wisdom because the parents come along and say, you know what? He's old enough. Let him speak for himself. Let him speak up. That's what our worship does. I mean, you're dead on it. That's what our worship does. Our worship allows us to speak and declare and testify of those things that nobody else knows about that nobody else can talk about. So you know what happened when they approached him. And when they approached him, he said, you know what? You know, I don't know who he is, but I can tell you what I do know. I can tell you that I once was blind. Lord have mercy. You know, and really, real sense, when we think about it, is that not what our worship does? Our worship allows people to have them to know, you know what? I had a once was. Whatever that once was, was. Or is, we had it. I once was, but now. So I I think now more than ever, and I firmly believe this with my heart of hearts, if we as believers can ever get back to that place of truly honoring and worshiping God, not just for our once was, but even more so because of but now. You know, and as apostle, I believe you said it beautifully. I mean, really in a real sense, everything does not happen to punish us. 
It's not. So, as a matter of fact, I believe some things we are going through are actually designed to help somebody else. I, I, I firmly believe that. I firmly believe sometimes those low moments in our lives where we are finding ourselves, as T.D. Jake saying, asking God, why me? And God comes back and says, why not you? It's, it's, those are the preparation points. And think about lives that are being changed and, and hearts that are being uplifted and spirits being revived because we are being open and honest and transparent. And I guess really that's what I'm trying to get to in this whole conversation. Because when preachers worship, we show a level of transparency that allows us to minister to somebody else. Worthy, can I say this real quick? Talk to me, talk to me. me. I know you're fired up, talk to me. I'm fired up. I once was blind, Uh but now, now now I see. Mm -hmm. I once was on drugs, but now. I once was lost, but now. I once was um, a murderer, but now. But now, but God, it come right back to God. I can't get away from but God, Mm -hmm. but now, Mm -hmm. and by you telling your testimony, you are saying I was this, but now, Mm -hmm. that but in in English and grammar and everything, everything that comes before the but. Watch yourself, watch yourself. Does not matter. I was all of these things, but, Uh but, uh-huh. And then the important part of the sentence, the important part of the sentence is after that, but I was this, but I was blind, but now I see, but now I see yes. how God brought me through. Mm-hmm. Now I see what God was doing in yes. my life. Now yes. I see yes. that God knew that I could not die because of my life now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will bring people out. I will help people be delivered. I will help people to not jump off that cliff. Right. Because of my butt now, Pastor Mion. My butt now. My butt now has God in it. My butt now has Jesus in it. My butt now, my eyes are open and I can see with a different set of eyes. My glasses are no longer foggy. My lenses are no longer dirty. My eyes, I can see in the natural and I can see in the spiritual because of my butt. God. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm, mm, uh-huh. mm. I'm gonna stop now because I got fired up. Well, you you fired up, so you may as well just run through the fire. You there now? Nah, keep on running, keep running. But but let me please let me say this because this thing just got dropped so heavy in my spirit, and I don't know who this is for. Somebody is watching us tonight, and somebody's listening to this conversation tonight. I don't know why. Yes, I do. I know why. This is this is the leading of the Lord. Let me let me say to somebody watching us tonight and not necess- may not even be a preacher, just somebody watching. Let me tell you tonight, there is still hope. There is still promise. God still has an assignment for you. Please don't allow where you are right now to cause you to conflict and be clouded by what God is getting ready to do in your life. The word makes it clear. Eyes have not seen. 
Tonight, you got five witnesses of the mere fact that all of us have had those moments of shoulda, coulda, woulda. But God, you can't give up tonight. So, somebody, Somebody's battling suicide and you just stumbled up on this conversation tonight. You cannot give up. Don't do it. Don't do it because I'm telling you, the enemy has you right where he wants you. He's playing mind games with you and he wants you to give in. He wants you to give up. Don't do it because tonight we are here as a witness on the other side of this thing. When God brings you out over and through, you've looked to a bottle for, for an answer. Don't do it. You, you, you've looked to drugs looking for a way out. Don't do it. Don't do it. There is hope for you. Pastor Meon started this conversation with this very statement. I'll say it again tonight. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad you've done, God still loves you. And the word of the Lord makes it clear. His mercies are still new every morning which means the fact that he woke us up this morning, he basically said, you know what? I'm going to give you a new set of mercies. I'm going to give you a new set of grace. You can't end it now. You can't give up now. I don't know who that's for, but it's heavy in my spirit tonight to tell somebody, don't let depression pull you down. Don't let that hardship rob you of what's coming. Don't give up. Please don't give up. Tonight, you, you've got five witnesses that have shared five testimonies. You've got five redeemed of the Lord who have said so tonight. Don't give up on him now. Don't quit now. Remember what the word of God says. The race isn't given to the swift or the strong. You don't have to be the fastest runner. But all you got to do is cross the finish line. And the reality of it is, is much like a marathon, just like they celebrate when the first one comes through, somebody is going to stay on the sideline and wait for you to cross that finish line. I don't know who it was for, but it was, it was in my spirit tonight. I had to, I had to talk to somebody. This pandemic has caused you to be on furlough. Some folks have lost their jobs and they are feeling helpless. They are feeling hopeless. You're used to running to the church when trouble comes and now the church doors are closed and you can't run there and get the help that you need. I need to tell you tonight, your help is closer than you think. God is our refuge and our strength. Thank you, Holy Spirit. A very present help in your time of trouble. Please don't give up now. Please don't throw in the towel now. Please don't stop now. Hang in there. Keep on pushing. Keep on fighting. And, and just like the fire starter said, now nah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Y'all, y'all jump on in here for, for, for it, it really get ugly in here. Y'all, y'all come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. I want to say something. There's, there, there's pastors that are on right now, God might've placed you in an unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar city where you're not so accustomed to, 
in the midst of God taking you out your comfort zone, wherever he's put you in that given metro, give him glory. Yes. Give him glory. I'm a living witness, a, a country boy from Albemarle, North Carolina in Puerto Rico. Did not know the language, did not know anything, but it had not been for God. Yes. It wasn't easy. I fought God, but he sat me down and told me, either you could take this blessing, I can give it to somebody else. And I fought God. I said, you can't bless me in Puerto Rico. I'm going to be blessed in Puerto Rico. He's watch me. He said, but you're going to lose everything. Mm. I lost everything. My motto was when I came to Puerto Rico, I come to take sides. I didn't come to take over. I, it was my pride. The pride. Because no one was going to pump me. No one was going to hurt me. And my wife said, Lord, why'd you bring this arrogant, prideful man to me? Wow. Why? Why? But when God prepares you for a certain season, for another level, he has to really dig at that heart and take out the gook that's still there that you don't mm. realize. People want to know, why you got six dogs? God used those dogs to break me. Because he said, in order for where I got to take you, you got to have more compassion for people. You don't have compassion because you've been hurt so many times and so much. I got to use these dogs to break you and humble you. Wow. 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 He said, because you were so accustomed to having things your way, you had to find things like, but I had to strip you from everything to humble you, to humble you, to be appreciative over the little things. When I first came to Puerto Rico, I laughed because my wife said, Papa, you don't like rice and eggs? I'm like, I don't need that poor man food. She'll give me rice and eggs all day. I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm a happy camper. But it's, it starts from humble beginnings. Absolutely. How can you be a testimony and tell people what you went through if you didn't go there? Yes, sir. You know, that same person or people might be going, what you have been through that you can minister them, but you got to go through the storm. Yeah. You got to go through hell and high water to get where God had you at now. And this is for somebody out there. All these naysayers that have been talking about pastors that are living good right now, you don't know their testimony. You don't know what they went through to get to where they are right now. Right. Yes, they're driving the finer things in life. Yes, they have a nice home, but do you know the testimony? Do you know the hell and high water that they had to go through to get where they are right now? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you know, Pastor Mia, you, you got me thinking. And I know First Lady is on the line tonight. She's watching tonight. I, and I tell this testimony often. Um, there was once a time when all we could afford was hot dogs and corn chips to feed our children. That was all we could afford. And there were sometimes we even had to scrape the, the cushions of the sofa. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yes, we didn't sir. always have it together. We had to scrape the cushions just to come up with enough change to just get hot dogs. Couldn't even afford buns. We had to get a loaf of bread just to get hot dogs and corn chips. And I tell the folks of the church now, I'm in a place now, God has blessed me so that I eat a hot dog now because I want to, not because I have to. And every once in a while, he allows me to have a hot dog to remind me. There you go. To remind me. And those are the things that keep your worship vibrant. Yes. Those reminders 
of where God has brought us and what he's brought us through. And, and I guess that's why, you know, as I share with apostle, you know, that's, 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 that's all the leaking is about apostle. It's just those reminders of what we have been through. And we have to look at it with an attitude of gratitude. We have to be yes. thankful. Yes. We have to be thankful. Yes. All, all we are is the redeemed of the Lord saying so. Amen. That's all we are. Amen. That's all we are. Y'all, I'm done. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Come on. Come on. Who else? Jump on. Come on. It's a blessing. Two, uh, I'm just going to tap in just a little bit. Please, Apostle. Um, two, two things. First of all, I don't. I hope the Lord don't send no dogs to me to humble me. <laughs> I don't like dogs, man. <laughs> Pass me on. You keep them dogs, man. <laughs> and, and look, I ain't praying for no humility. <laughs> Let the Lord do what he will when he do it. Keep them dogs away from <laughs> Look, I got a phobia. I was chased by a German shepherd at six years old. So I ain't stunned no <laughs> for you For you pet lovers, I'm not saying against no pets. But Lord knows, I don't want no dog to harm me. <laughs> Just give me the regular stuff, oh God. <laughs> but, oh, but no, I, I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was I was thinking, Lord, that took me for a spin. I was thinking, man. Uh, every, every day I did not word though. I do I do eat a bologna and cheese sandwich to remind me of the the, 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 the younger days. Yes, sir. Uh, but but really though, I <laughs> Pastor P, stay off me, brother. <laughs> stay off me, Pastor P. Stay off me. <laughs> But um, I, I I do I do want to say uh, I was uh, when you when you was talking about that we um, we was talking about uh, uh, going through stuff uh-huh. for the sake of others. Uh-huh. Um, this is this is one of the ministerial lessons Paul was teaching Timothy, uh-huh. where he said, "I endure all things right. for the elect's sake." Yes. I go through some things just for somebody else. Absolutely. And why? Because he, he and I'm paraphrasing the scripture, because salvation is for them. Right. They need to see God in action as we've been talking all night. Yes. They need, he, they need to see God in action. So what our pain is, is not necessarily our pain. Absolutely. What our hurt is, is not necessarily our hurt. What our suffering is, is not necessarily our suffering. Mm -hmm. But because of the humility, because of the the, the humility we have before God, God chose us because he knows that we're not going to complain about it. Absolutely. When you're complaining about a pain that is meant for someone else, then you're not doing an effective ministry as far as 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 what God wants us to do to win that soul or to show that person, that soul, what they can come through and to help them to go through. We're helpers of one another. Absolutely. And this is part of that help. This is part of who we are with each other. That's why unity is so, so important when it comes to the people of God. Absolutely. But that's what I just want to throw in there. Amen. But uh, we need to understand what God wants out of us and what his purpose. That's what the word consecration comes from separation from the things that's not of God to concentrate on the things of God. God bless you. Pastor P, somebody said you weren't done. 
First, first lady said you weren't done, Pastor P. Yeah, I saw that, but uh, I, I wasn't paying no attention. Uh, um, <laughs> there is one thing I want to mention, and and Dr. Worthy, you said it earlier, but we often jump right over it. Mm-hmm. Where the parents said, "Ask him." Mm-hmm. What that means to me is the parents understood that the the the, the son was mature enough. That's it. To go through what he went through. Uh-huh. And to still worship God. Yeah. The process sometimes takes us through a level of maturity to the point where we gain faith, wisdom, and trust. Absolutely. And when we get to a place where God is able to take us to a place and, and put that 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 backpack on us uh-huh. that we, he knows that we can carry, uh-huh. then when we get to the next level, understand that that stuff is going to be released and he's going to put some more on us. Right. So don't get weary in your well doing, because mm-hmm. because if if you don't give up, he's gonna bless you with it. Absolutely. But we get to a place where where we 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 think that okay, God put that on us, like you said, as and we look at the story of Job, God put that on us because he wanted us to, wanted to tear us down, and actually he wanted to build us up. That's right. Remember this, family, and I, I'm gonna hush after this for real. Please leave me alone. I want you to want to say this: pitiful people want you to be perfect but a powerful god wants us to have move up people want us to be perfect god wants progress Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you are never going to be perfect no 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 so if you're going through something right now understand that you're going through it for a reason and you're going to go through it only for a season it's not going to last always. Mm-hmm. I have been through hell all of my 46 years of life. My good days outweigh my bad days. But understand that I learned from the hell that I've been through. Surely. So that I don't constantly go back to where God is trying to propel me to go to. He has something more for all of us to do. Sure. It's just up to us to keep doing what God says rather than what we feel. Mm-hmm. And when our feeling gets into it, it can make us get depressed. Help me, somebody. Mm-hmm. When our feelings get into it, mm-hmm. it will make us want to get suicidal. Mm-hmm. When our feelings get into it, we want to choke folk out. Don't, don't act. See, I felt a whole lot of y'all spirits looking at me all crazy. When, when, when you go through some stuff and it's really getting into your feelings, you want the cuss. But God is saying, I have you at a level now of a maturity. That's it. Where, you, where you're mature enough to tell your testimony mm-hmm. without worrying about what they're going to say about you. We too concerned about folk. Apostle almost jumped out the screen when he saw that dog. <laughs> we we more concerned about what folk gonna say than, than we are. <laughs> that are hur, hur. We're more concerned about what folk gonna say than we are about what God is doing. So when we get to a place where we're saying whatever, man, you can say what you want to, then that's when you're actually getting to 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 where God wants you to be. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna mess with you no more, no boss. Got him sweating over there. <laughs> he was leaking for real. <laughs> I'm, gonna, 
Oh man, y'all open that door. Why y'all do that? Lord have mercy. Let me let me see this what? closer. Worthy. Let me add this word. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Um, kind of going off of what Pastor P said. Um, what was in my spirit was um thinking about Peter walking on water. Um, when he stepped out of the boat, um, he kept his focus on Jesus. Yeah. His Jesus was his focus. Mm -hmm. And as long as his focus was on Jesus, then, um, he was fine. But when he took, when he took his focus off of Jesus and focused on the things that were going on around him and focused on the, on, on his feelings and all the other things, the wind and the storm and all those things, that's when he began to sink. Mm -hmm. And so we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Mm -hmm. Then the other things that's, that's meant that the enemy is using to distract us. Sometimes the enemy use it or we just do it ourselves and we just pay attention to everything. We watching the news and we watching, we doing all, we doing too much. But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, then we can, we won't sink. We won't fall. We won't fail. We will keep our eyes on, on focus. We're, we're out of focus. These things are used as distractions. These things in life are used to separate us. Why does the enemy want to separate us? So that he can do what he does. And he does very well. He kills, steals, and destroys. So he want to get you by yourself. And we allow him he don't even have to steal. A lot of times we give him our peace. We give him our joy. We give it to him. And he doesn't even have to do anything. But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, then we won't be the, the waves and all the stuff that's going on in our lives and that we will we will do what he wants us to do. That's that's all I gotta say about that. Let, let, let me let me let me see if I can attempt to bring this to closure. I'm gonna try to. Me, I keep the dogs down because I don't need, you know, so <laughs> I think me on we're trying to set you up too. No, it was a test. I'm coming to the aid of Apostle tonight. He saw the glory. That's all. He saw the glory. He saw the glory. That's all. That's all. That's all. Mr. Mr. Shea said we need to focus That's on what we need. <laughs> <laughs> so get off that dog. You're absolutely right. <laughs> all right. So 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 David says in my closing word tonight. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for the Lord is with me. I'm saying this in closing. Perhaps I pray that it will offer some encouragement. We understand that a valley is a low point between two high points, which means in everybody's life, you're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. 
But if you can keep that attitude like David had, even in my low point, God, just as he was with me in the high point, he's going to be with me in the low point. And the beauty of it is understanding a valley is a low point between two high points simply says I'm coming off of one high heading to another. Don't stay in the valley. As a matter of fact, true worship won't let you stay in the valley. And with that, y'all. Hold on. I'm going to say this and I'm going to quote you. All right. Because you preached a sermon at Simmons Grove in Roanoke Rapids. Mm. And you said a valley is actually considered to be between two blessings. That's exactly right. Come on, somebody. So so just because you're in the valley, that don't mean you're going to stay there. You're actually in no, between no, two blessings. That, I remember you said that. And, and, and I guess, really in a real sense, God said it. I, 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 you know, I, I, you know, I'll look at it that way. But I guess that's why David said we're going through the valley. And you got to walk. Don't we, run. We, we, were, we were never designed to stay in the valley. Never designed. It's a low place. It's a dark place. Nothing grows. You so you to gotta know. So you can see what's going on. You gotta know something is there for mm-hmm. David to say, "I'm in the valley of the shadow." You don't see no shadows in the valley. It's a dark place. So that says to me that valley is only a setup. You better recognize God is with you. Amen. In that dark point. Amen. Let your worship carry you through those dark points. I, and I pray tonight that those who've joined us have, have heard our stories of our dark points. But all I can tell you now, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord is doing. And I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough prophetically to even pronounce, look what the Lord is going what is the Lord's to do. Come on, somebody. Eyes have not seen, y'all. I'm I'm gone now. Ears have not heard. Go get the dog, Meon. Let's go. No, no, Neither has it entered. Listen, beloveds, we thank you so much for joining us. Listen, we having fun. That's all it is all about. We we thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, for yet another uh, opportunity to share again, Apostle Dickens, Pastor Meon, Pastor P, Minister Shea, thank you again uh, for joining us one more Monday night. Well, uh, we've done this for four weeks straight. I, I say we just go ahead and finish out the month one more time. Let's let's go on and do it. Let's go and wrap Man. the month out. Let's wrap it up. Uh, so uh, we we will come together for our fifth installment next Monday night at nine o'clock and invite you all to join us and share the word with somebody else. Let me say again.